And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 114. The World of Mythbits. a doozy of an update for you this episode all of this news comes from the jason slash dark myth company newsletter that um i find is an amazing uh and, and really useful tool filled with updates and information about everything going on with the company to keep everybody as informed as they can be uh, so if you're not subscribed, you can always go to theworldofmyth.com and sign up. It's, like I said, it's, it's super useful. It's always written far more eloquently than I could ever put it. First on our roster of updates is that Dave is actively monitoring and modifying and updating the 2021 business plan. So because of COVID, uh, still being ever so prominent, uh, and in full force, it's pretty much just a strategic move to ensure that um, everything will keep Dark Myth and Jasmon comfortable, afloat, and moving forward. So stay tuned for any potential updates there. So that being said, Dark Myth has a plethora of publications lined up this year, including... Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner, Super Horror Max, The Missing Unicorn in the Land of Zombie Fairies, Broken Lines, Through the Eyes of Madness, Liberty's Run, The World of Myth Anthology, Volume 4, and Magically Bound. And also, Zombie Works Next Anthology has been selected, and I am so excited, cannot wait. Um, This year, for October's release, we will... Uh, have Natural Instincts, Tales of Witches and Warlocks to join the ranks of the theme of Monsters, Supernatural, and Witchcraft. So again, I'm super stoked. Next up, the graphic novel anthology titled Darker Myth is being lettered for print. So eventually it will move into a digital format and ultimately released where the readers will vote on their favorite piece. Uh, so that will result in a full, the, their vote will release, will result in a fully fleshed out series to be released in 2021, just in time for the 30 year celebration. And Soundbites uh, is a, if you don't know what Soundbites is, is it's a, a pilot that Dave actually wrote and it's really cool um, and it's, it's his baby. So, Soundbites, as we announced previously, has been officially moved to an in-house production with uh, the plan to raise between $50,000 to $100,000, and it will build a cast after financing, and excitingly, director or, uh, Jonathan S. Abrams has agreed to be the director of photography for the pilot and the entire series should it be picked up. So that's super, super exciting. Um, I love to see hopefully this baby kind of get like the recognition it deserves. Speaking of, of podcasts, <laughs> we are still looking for podcasts to join the JZO Modcast Network. So, and we also plan to hire a new production, uh, production d- director as well. So please, Next, 2021 brings us our third annual publishing contest, Open Contract Challenge. But this year, we'll see a bit of a difference. By that, it's nothing scary, don't worry. By that, I mean uh, the rules will be modified to avoid any hindrances or issues, just to keep it really smooth. And also that we are throwing out the idea of an entry fee this time around. 
So that being said, all of the prizes are going to be the same, including a trip to California for PCE next year. Opening March 21st, 2021, the contest will be headed to, uh, headed by our new director, Kyle D. Dobbs. And speaking of PCE, as you know, it's been a bit of a bumpy ride for conventions, rearranging their schedules per the pandemic, and PCE is unfortunately no different. Um, while September is the goal... This kind of grants us the time and thought to bring about a really spectacular event. And you've heard me say it before, and I'll keep saying it um, because it's a slight silver lining to the entirety of this horrific pandemic. But I think creatively, we're going to see some of the best entertainment in the coming years because of the time creators have had to really construct amazing media. So... Again, just a silver lining. As you may already know, because we've brought it up before and Dave's talked about it, um, JPWI has canceled all upcoming professional wrestling shows scheduled for 2021. But we are still holding Expo Explosion 2 following PCE's 2021 event. So the current booking is to hold a tag team tournament to crown our first JPWI World Tag Team Champion champions actually and have champion Blake Grayson return to defend the world heavyweight championship so it's not entirely canceled it's just canceled for the most part and we have that to look forward to last but not least we also recently announced that the magazine will be changing web hosts so everything will be the same in that we'll have the the same content the amazing amazing stories everything Jason and Darkmouth has had to offer just from a new home. So that's going to be a bit of a pain. So again, patience, etc., all of that. Um, and that's it. So again, if you don't subscribe to the newsletter, please do. It's super informational. <laughs> this week uh, is, I guess, what we would consider part two of this uh, character definition kind of deep dive. Because, again, there's just a lot of ideas and concepts out there. Um, And I don't think we anticipate to spend at least most of this episode talking about uh, Cobra Kai. (laughs) Doesn't mean it won't work. And we'll be able to keep our mouths uh, from uttering any any Cobra Kai references. Uh, Because again, we're just just hardcore binging cobra kai part two cobra kai part two so uh i kind of want to jump into these notions of uh characters and this is something that uh our resident teenager we actually talk a lot about this um because they're still kind of defining their creative uh, outlets and talents and everything. And when I when I first started writing back in when I was like 12, 13-ish, the whole reason I started writing was I didn't care about necessarily the content I was creating. I was more focused on creating a place where I wanted to escape to. Um, and so that kind of kind of I don't want to say ruined me, but it kind of only gave me one vantage point in how to write is that I wanted to deliver like escapism because that's where reading was comfort for me. And um, anytime I created any kind of character, it was always some form of self insert. And in that, I mean, it was a character that I really based off of my desires, my aspirations, my wants, um, things that I wanted out of me as a person. And obviously, the older you get and the more you write, you realize that's not how character development works and operates. But I was a pretty isolated kid, and that was 
joyous for me. You know, again, that was that was my escape. Um, and I think that's kind of the same, like, even with video games, you know, RPGs where you get to kind of create your your new character and all of this. I mean, look at Cyberpunk, where you get to spend <laughs> how much time focusing on a very specific part of male anatomy. <laughs> like, come on. So I think self-insert is um, kind of a good broad term that we can apply to character creation because again we're I think it's it's unavoidable I think no matter who we write about who we talk about who we uh create you know these these characters we can base them off of people we know people who inspire us we can base it off of our parents or our relatives or whoever but there's still going to be bits of us whether it's the worst parts of ourselves that we see or the parts that we wish we could see, there's going to be something of us in that character. And um, I don't know where I'm really exactly taking this, but I guess kind of going back to the last episode where we were talking about like relationships with characters and how important they are. And I had also mentioned, you know, it's, it, I guess a little, uh, shout out to myself. Um, I opened my Etsy shop and I have five pieces from a show and also book series called The Magicians. And apparently it's just really the only pieces, really the only pieces I've ever made that like people deem worthy of their time, which I'm fine with. But um, it's, it's the one that's selling the series, the pieces that are selling the most. And um, going off of that, again, that's not to like brag or anything, but I think if you have read or watched The Magicians, I think each one of those characters is a perfect and pristine example of character evolvement, character comprehension, character um, relatability. There's so much that works in favor of these characters. And I think so many people have like bonded with these characters. It's impossible not to, you know. Um, And when I work on these pieces, like it's really hard for me not to kind of do like these deep dives into what makes them them these fictional characters what makes them so amazing and especially because if you look at the pieces there's like a lot of accessories to it you know about their personalities about their assets and even their flaws and um you know I I just think it's a really good place to kind of not start but really kind of like a uh focus on for a second I think also, too, why The Magicians is such a popular uh, go-to and option for these types of stories also, because um, think about the fantastical side and what you just explained about you wanting this fantastical aspect to the characters. Yeah. And that's exactly why I believe, like, Harry Potter blew up, Lord of the Rings. You know, you have this fantastical aspect, like the pirate fair, and everybody dresses up in the pirate fair, and they... They they like including me because I'm cool. They do this, but LARP. nobody else in my family because they, they suck. They do this LARP thing, right, where they get into character and they act like the character all day. And I'm guessing it's the disassociation aspect, such as if you were to disassociate from reality with uh, any types of fiction or drugs or you know anything mm-hmm. that can send you away. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'll am i be the first to admit, it's like, we don't really partake in any kind of extracurricular <laughs> uh, 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 joys, um, just because that's the choice we kind of made. It was like, hey, you know what, we don't we don't really drink, we don't need to, to do anything. But I'm the first to admit that the addictive part of my brain, <laughs> it is, it gets the same stimulant from... Uh, escapism from uh, film, from reading, from like I, I get into it. Like you know, like it's 
Yeah. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that would activate the same part of the brain as any of the other uh, characters that you can relate to. Um, even if you were to even relate it to like superheroes type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, I think that's why those, those avenues are such a large, um, place to play around in. Yeah. You know, I think the way that they go about and create these characters too is so, um, sophisticated that it's hard to not, uh, see yourself in these characters mm-hmm. such as, I think you were saying that if you read Harry Potter, it made you more empathetic towards the yeah in in general, mm-hmm. you know, and that's mainly because you have, uh, let's say we, you okay so say you have okay let's jump back to the magicians yeah okay um I mean let's just let's make it easy okay so like if there's a character in the magicians that you felt you could relate to who would it be and well, why. I would want to say it would be uh, Quentin probably, mostly because when I was a kid, and I would always believe too that if well if magic was real, you can accomplish this and this and this, and um, It'll fix everything. Kind of. I mean, think about that too. Yeah. Like, if I was if okay, <clears throat> okay, I have to use this character because it's so fresh in my mind is Hawk, mm-hmm. right? Think about Hawk and his his personality and how he was treated and now he has this power because power, what is the saying? Uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Think about that. Now let's jump back to magicians after I get that out of my system. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so if that's true and you have, um, what was his name? The main villain from the first season? Oh, um the beast right so you have the beast who was looking for absolute power and it it corrupted him and any of these character development because he had the power come from a a vulnerable state yeah which is what inspired him to seek out power absolutely and um i think too if you go back into uh, okay let's okay if you have a character like Quentin who is not on this path, he was just elated to know that the realm um, existed. Mm-hmm. And when he was tossed into it, um, he just he, he could not contain himself. And then, you know, uh, Julia, which is my personal favorite character, <laughs> right, um, had gone about with him. But if I remember correctly, she wasn't allowed in that school because she wasn't gifted right at the end of the beginning yeah there's so much to it like there it's yeah but at its at its this show takes you from one dimension to the next dimension to all multiple dimensions right so you're talking about a mythical place kind of like if narnia found flash right yeah they kind (laughs) of mixed them together (laughs) right um (laughs) ben barnes so uh Instead of Ben Barnes is in Narnia. Prince Caspian. Prince Caspian. <laughs> so the beast is going to take control, you know, of the Fillory universe. Any story we're talking about yeah. right here, you have the light side, the dark side. Even you take it back to Harry Potter, you have uh, Hogwarts and... Uh, Durmstrang. Yeah. Well, what? Were they with those? <laughs> were evil guys? Not evil, but they uh, were... Oh my god. Okay, so <laughs> because Grindelwald attended that school, it kind of kind of wound up with a bit of a, a reputation. Like he was ultimately kicked out, but yeah, Durmstrang has a bit of a a reputation for focusing a little bit more on the dark arts. And those are the guys that are in the tournament. Yeah, it's Victor Crumb okay. and, so and Victor Crumb is from And that Victor school. Crumb really hated Durmstrang. He was like that place sucked. Oh, so. Okay. Anyway, there's my encyclopedia knowledge of Harry Potter that y'all are gradually getting exposed to. This is going way back. I fe- I view myself as Quentin because of the uh, want and need for the magic to exist. And then once it happens, he is elated. And then um, turns out that when the beast came through, they had this super um, opposition to battle. Okay. 
So when uh, when they knock that little problem out of out of out of the equation there, you know, then they uh, created other issues such as uh, the beast did something to the well, right in the second season. So then they had to fix the well, mm-hmm. and uh, the god. There. It wasn't the beast who did something to the well. It was. Uh, oh Umber. yeah, it turn, yeah. It turns out Umber Umber did something to the well. That's right. So then you got Umber, Umber is the god of fillery. Right. So. Uh, then uh, they take you along, and they, they fill all the characters out, right? And um, they're mostly relatable, such as Katie was mm-hmm. the um, kind of like the uh, more troubled, a little troubled, more... rough, rough, rough. She was a hedge witch. Is the... is where she came from, which is basically in in uh, this storytelling. The hedge witches are the the self taught. Which is basically the ones who didn't have a formula, formal education, the ones who were kind of on the cusp of the magical society, and they were viewed as being uh, not beneficial <laughs> to the community. And then they went and proved everybody wrong, and were like, "No, no, no, <laughs> screw you guys." But yeah, that's where Julia had gotten onto with the head witches, yeah, beforehand, right? But uh, but what about you? Who's your character? Um, definitely Margot. Margot is uh, my favorite character, but I think she's also the character with the best uh, evolution. I think uh, where she kind of comes from and then where she winds up. Um, I just I love Margot. Margot is is the best character in my opinion. Um, I would die for her. <laughs> I love her to death. Um, but I think. The way they constructed all of these characters and Margot in the books was actually Janet, um, in case anybody has read the books but not watched the show or hasn't and just needs a lot of information. Um, I think one thing that the magicians did was we focused a little bit on childhood we focused just enough on certain aspects of youth that kind of brought about um where characters are today because and I think too none of these characters are perfect each one has a lot of flaws a lot of like what we talked about in the last episode where it's like these things that are deemed as flaws or really bad uh, characteristics um, actually wind up being used to the advantage. Oh, what's Margot's? Uh, <laughs> she's painfully uh, shut off. Like she um, is very isolated in her own um, protection. You know, she doesn't want to do any hurting and she doesn't want to get hurt. So she's like, like, really stoically shut herself down from emotional attachments. But obviously through her evolution, we see her kind of warm up and actually, you know, but her, her quote unquote coldness is actually used, um, you know, for, for the, the gain and the movement of the the storylines. But, um, and we have, there's one episode and it's one of the musical episodes. Again, if you haven't watched The Magicians, watch it because it's a wild ride and it's the best. Um, (laughs) But there's a musical episode and she goes on this journey and she really opens up about her youth. Um, And like I said, it's just enough. Just enough to where we grasp the idea that um, she was expected to be a very particular way. Um, Even with Another character who anybody who watches the show loves, um, Elliot, who is probably one of the most flawed characters, who has a lot of um, inner demons that, you know, kind (laughs) of don't always uh, do him any favors. His childhood traumas, his um, expectations from his parents, his dad and his bully, who there's so much there. But it's just enough to where we don't focus on where they came from. The focus is where they're going, always. And I think we as people, 
do a lot of soul searching and uh, kind of trying to reconcile, you know, there and I do it all the time. It, I think a random thought and I'm like, why do I think like that? And I, you know, kind of play around with it and, and mull it over. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. This thing that happened 20, 30 years ago. That must be why I think like this. As opposed to, you know, and, and I think we're, we're constantly trying to understand ourselves. Um, but that's great. <laughs> but I can sit here and tell everybody my life story and I can tell you why things are like this. And Joe can tell you uh, your life story and, and explain why, oh, this is why I, I, you know, act like this or do this. But that doesn't matter to an audience. You know, because the audience, no matter what, is going to go, yeah, but if that were me, I wouldn't think of it like that. I do that all the time, don't you? What do you mean? Well, like, okay, like watching, sorry, Cobra Kai, and I'm like, why is everything, like, there's so many instances where it's so one-sided. Why can't it be like this? Like, the, uh, when, when the whole instance happened with uh Miguel and um Robbie the fight and nobody would listen to Robbie they just assumed he was a bad guy a bad kid and I'm like why is this so one-sided you know blah 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 so I think I know what you're getting about because of the way that people examine others Mm-hmm. And and don't reflect against reflect it against themselves. Such as and they don't look at the the whole situation from what, any other point of view. Almost like almost like that. Not trying to to remember that old saying about putting yourself in somebody's shoes mm-hmm. type thing. Well, next time, next time when you actually talk to somebody, listen how they speak of other people, such as um. Use this as like a place of employment. So you have a company, right? And you have a company and you have management up top and then employees, quote unquote, um, on the bottom. Okay. So the way that it's kind of um, uh, structured is in some people's mind, whether or not they're in management or employees, it's management is always blaming employees. Employees are always blaming management, you know, or pointing fingers, Mm -hmm. you know. Or disassociating themselves from each other, such as management is over here, they're a separate entity than the employees over here, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what makes um, companies fall, right? Because the new standard should be that everybody is in this new group, okay? And everybody is involved, okay? So if you use that in a in a certain sense, say, well, you don't have anything in common with this character then you would disassociate yourself with the character even though they're going through their own troubles and trials but you have not gone through these certain steps mm-hmm. you understand and that's why you have these good i feel you have these quote-unquote good versus evil mm-hmm. uh, spats to begin with okay because if you take all of these uh, characters from the same platform and put them in there and there's no mixing of uh troubles then there's no conflict of interest for growth yeah you know and then the characters can't grow yeah i think that's what happened really in like the the old time superhero uh comics right i mean you had you had like say superheroes like superman you know and he was like top notch like he doesn't do anything no no bad stuff he doesn't even kill the villains or something like that right and then you have the next level which would be vigilantes almost and that's Mm -hmm. where batman came in and stuff like that you know um and yet it's odd that superman was still at the top Mm -hmm. you know um but the one-sided viewpoint of the character without relation is where it gets hard especially when these characters are portrayed with such grit i think what it is is the characters are portrayed with such grit and 
Um, if you like, let's let's take the the good versus evil. If you took somebody who was good, right? Um, I'm making air quotes. Uh, and and gave them the, this power. There's this new technique, and based upon what you just said of their previous training of of uh, childhood or upbringing or anything like that, it would dilute their uh, perspective to use it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about if you had. Think about if you had. I mean, there's there's countless characters that can be portrayed as though if they were to use their power in the wrong way, but somebody stops them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Jessica Jones. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, Jessica Jones in there, and then she has. Can you tell me a little bit about Jessica Jones. She's super strong, uh-huh. uh, like super, 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 uh, near inhumanly strong, and uh, she was survivor of a gentleman called uh Kilgrave who uh you know he 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 hypnotized her essentially commanded her ordered her to do what uh she would do it was it was uh a very intense story <laughs> but yeah so that's pretty much what was your childhood like did they get into that character i mean like everything was was okay up until uh her parents got killed most you know superhero stories but yeah she had a pretty you know uh not horrible upbringing but uh then she got taken in i mean we're going off of the show not the comic but yeah the show she got taken in by trish walker's mother who is real special lady (laughs) gotcha so pretty much normal and then Kilgrave comes along. Yeah. So the whole basis of her character of this is inner power against the characters because of this dude who... No, I mean, like, her... I mean, that and her... The trauma of losing her parents. You know, the those combined. Gotcha. So you then know. that kind of just triggered on her. Okay. So... She, she was born with that super strength, right? Mm-mm. Okay. No. She's she basically tested on. Like Luke caged her. Yeah. Gotcha. So she was Wolverine almost yeah. well, a little bit. Yeah. I think Wolverine was born with the, the bones. Yeah. After the accident. Yeah. Um, anywho, the point of that was is because in the real life trauma of um, it, it, something like that, if you were being abused or anything from a... Uh, they were boyfriends or lovers or whatever, right? So they were lovers. Not entirely consensual. Not entirely consensual. That adds to the gravity of her character. And you would say, okay, so this guy treated her like this. He's obviously this villain. It was not entirely dissimilar. You know, his his parents were uh, eager to kind of kind of test on him and and basically uh, adapt him into who he is uh, as somebody who needs to feel loved so he kind of so this, demands it exactly so this is where jessica jones has this very power struggle uh good versus evil mm-hmm. fight even within the quote-unquote hero of the story yeah. is she definitely wants to turn him into jelly right yeah does but she, she also wants to. She does, also does she, thinks no? she wants to reform him also. And you've got everybody beside her who are like, "No, you can't turn into a monster. You can reform him." All of this, and there are instances where she thinks she can, but ultimately, no. She she snaps his neck. Ultimately, yeah. So, ultimately, it takes her. It takes the better of her, even though she is probably one of the strongest people in, in alive, mm-hmm. technically, right? Physically. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets kind of hard because you have the physical strength and mental strength. And mm-hmm. that is really the issue and topic of discussion because you have the mental strength and physical strength. So if you have her who's superhuman strength and you know, strong, right? Mm-hmm. And Kilgrave, who can is pretty much the master manipulator of anything. Mm-hmm. And you have the two sides. Well, 
you have his character who is a master manipulator because he wants to be loved and he feels the only way to get uh, uh, to come about that is to take it by force which is in relevance of the rape you know essentially she's raped yeah Okay. Oh, hands down. Yeah. Essentially, that's a lot of the plot line. <laughs> essentially, she's raped. And other girls. So now that brings you into hard material. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what he did is not right at all. No. You know, there's definitely, you have a moral compass. Mm-hmm. Um, whether his compass is broke or not, you know, uh, does he feel remorse at all? Uh, No. <laughs> okay, so you have that kind of mentality in Spectrum is he is similar to Hannibal Lecter as though Hannibal is a cannibal and he only knows this way. Mm-hmm. So you have a, um, a superhuman being like uh, Kilgrave who has this abilities, this super ability of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm sure you could do wonders and good with it, and, and you could probably create peace, but it would be a fictionalized peace because you're manipulating people into peace, so it's kind of hard to say no. whether or not that would be right. Yeah. yeah. Whether or not that would be right to manipulate the good versus the evil. So he's mm-hmm. he's pretty much forced into this position, and... um. He definitely goes off the rails and becomes highly evil and creates this in, injustice and, and, and commits these horrendous crimes, mm-hmm. you know, against his fellow superhero. Uh, and Jessica, having the strength to, to, to knock him around, tries to fight it off mm-hmm. until she has to give in. Yeah. You know where her, her, her character becomes so relatable, you know, because think of all the people who were assaulted who wish that they had such power. Mm-hmm. Another example of that is Hard Candy. Remember that, yeah. remember that film, Hard Candy? So you have these fictionalized uh, revenge. S- revenge scenarios. Now think about reality scenarios. Yeah. You have an entire... Serial killer, uh, vengeance of, uh, uh, Warner, right? Mm-hmm. She, she loses it, and it's not the right thing to do, obviously, but she loses it and, and takes vengeance out because of what happened to her, you know? Uh, what was that girl, what was that lady's name that did the old snipperoo? Oh, uh, uh, Lorraine Bobbitt. Right, so Lorraine Bobbitt did the old little snipperoo there, buddy, and, uh, she, uh, Handled it the way she believed she had to handle it at the time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, <laughs> and that was a very large explanation against how people would say, "Well, I would do it this way," versus how come they? Oh would no, do I it think it was one hundred percent valid you know, <laughs> her reaction. Yeah, well, you can have you can have multiple sides. To all I think stuff. most most women would agree. <laughs> you know, you can have multiple sides into which we should have done. And uh, how you would have done it this way, or how you would have wished you would have done it this way, and um, I think that's where, like, when you create these characters or write these characters or anything like that, you can relate to them or not relate to them and want your character to do something that you wish that you could do but could not do. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, um, and I think you can also relate to those characters. It's like, oh, well, you aspire to be like this so you want to change your own mind state to be able to achieve mm-hmm. such of a uh, status yeah you know because this, this uh, conversation i think has so many layers beyond the characters and i think that that's where a lot of these flushed out tv shows are coming from because they have so much time now to flush these these stories out instead of in an hour and a half you can't exactly uh, create this unique character. Yeah. Not anymore. Not the way stories are being told. Right. So now you have these television shows being picked up and everybody's binging these television shows, you know, 
and uh, the characters are being fleshed out a little more. So they're creating a little more understanding and, and empathy over the characters, is which you were to say how they're built, you know, how the characters built mm-hmm. is where, you know, uh, the gold mine is now for these new shows, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they're very much character driven. Exactly. So you can't exactly go about and uh, and it might possibly be giving people more of the space to critique or criticize these characters' actions, you know, without having large repercussions. You understand? Mm-mm. Such as, let's use a <laughs> let's use a new movement in this regard. So we have. A new type of culture that if somebody were to do something wrong or something comes up about their character <laughs> as a flaw, yeah, they are flushed, and uh, that one is down the toilet. No. Yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, that's a joyous one, which I kind of forgot we wanted to really uh, dig into that too. Is uh, which I think we might be able to in the next couple minutes. You know, yeah, it's, it's when you look at an actual like real person and. Uh, there's essentially a stain on their record, <laughs> something they tweeted or something, you know, that, that wasn't ideal. Um, that's that's kind of what you're getting on with. If they were to make a mistake and they uh, felt that it was the correct thing to do at the time, how long is the punishment for, do you feel? Well, ultimately, it obviously depends on on the quote unquote crime. You know, the uh, if it's if it's a stupid tweet from ten years ago. You know, I, please point me in the direction of somebody who hasn't said something really stupid. Um, <laughs> I would really like to meet this perfect uh, being. But yeah, no, it's it's it definitely depends. You know, and and it's tough because um, you see. Uh, certain cases, especially in celebrity culture, which is just a toxic, really, really, really bad uh, culture in and of itself. But, um, you know, uh, what's his face from The Flash? He tweeted uh, some really stupid stuff like 10 years ago, like I said, and it was just the it was not funny it was sexist it was racist it was you know i mean name it it was something it was just stupid stuff with this actor who tweeted these really stupid things and he was fired and essentially the beautiful term of uh the 2000s he was canceled and i just think that was really stupid like because if the repercussions for doing something stupid in your past are and what, what did he tweet I don't remember. Just stu- stupid, stupid, sexist it's jokes stupid and sexist racist jokes. and stuff. Take that into account because they were jokes, right? He's a comedian. Unfunny, stupid jokes. Unfunny, stupid jokes. So my point is uh, when you when you do something stupid, which we all have, there's no denying it. Do not try to pretend like, oh, I was born perfect. I've never thought a horrible thought in my entire life. I was never misled. I was never taught the wrong way. No. We all do or say stupid things at some point in our lives. And if the only repercussion for that is to be canceled, to, you know, it's like, oh, you, you, you're done. You have no place in modern society whatsoever because you made a mistake, because you said something dumb. As opposed to think about how many fictional characters. Look at Johnny Lawrence. Dude is problematic AF. Like, he says stuff and you're just like, how did they get away with that? It's fiction, first of all. But look at how, I mean, like, we love Johnny Lawrence. He is, you know, we give him so many opportunities to grow and to... Uh, adhere to new the new ways of society the the updated ways of society um we don't do that in reality and I think that's wild you know and I think I mean because could you imagine if we if we treated the way we treat that and and 
you know, and I'm not saying letting things slide. I'm not saying. I think I could imagine because it's happening right now, isn't it? No, no, no. I'm talking about reverse. What do you mean? Like if we actually just let people learn, you know, like, oh, you made a mistake. You did something dumb. You said something dumb. You made a racist or sexist or homophobic joke. It's not good. It's by no means good. But here's an opportunity for you to acquire an education, for you to try to grow from it, to evolve from it. And that's all we want. Like, I hope, I'm still holding out hope that um, the nameless writer of Harry Potter will wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm not a transphobe. Like, I'm hoping that. But I'm not also going to hold my breath. The point is, I think... What is the point? The point is, because, well, here's the deal. The point I think you're trying to make is that if you don't face your insecurities, you're going to point them at the direction and say, look at that person. They are garbage and get them out of here so you wouldn't have to deal with your own. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. But what does that have to do with character development and fiction? (laughs) Well... Um. Say you had a, say you had an insecurity, right? I got a whole slew of them. Say you had an insecurity. Take your pick. And you didn't like a character, okay? So say you didn't like a character because of certain things they do or said or anything like that. And you have to really ask yourself, why don't I like that? Are you? Are is this a pointed remark at my attitude toward Tori and Cobra Kai? Absolutely not. <laughs> She's mean. She's just mean. (laughs) She called a kid a P-U-S-S-Y, so we don't have to bleep it, for getting his arm broken. Like, that's mean. (laughs) He couldn't help that somebody broke his arm. (laughs) Yeah, that was was actually so, because that that was so extreme that even the, I mean, which is odd, too, because she had... She she was very surprised. Remember when she came to him? She was surprised. She said, hey, I'm surprised that you actually went through with it. You know? Like, he's been goaded on. But then as soon as Hawk bloodied that one kid's face, she was almost in shock. Yeah. Like, oh, they... they Couldn't have seen this coming! There's a line crossed, and that's where they have to learn, is there's, there's lines to be crossed. Yeah. You know? They all are fighting their own insecurities. Mm-hmm. Right? And they're, they're flushed with them. I wouldn't imagine if Hawk and Dimitri didn't actually team up this season for some reason. Or next season. Or next season. You know, because the way that um, uh, Kreese is recruiting these new um, fighters that, that are just wild just because he needs winners is is obviously problematic. Mm-hmm. You do. I know. Okay. I think it's... it's I think the whole reason we kind of wanted to... Uh, jump into this this character development besides binging Cobra Kai is um you know if if you're feeling stuck or unsure about your character I think that there's a lot of I think we when we write when we uh, create these characters we get so hung up in so many rules about characters and because we think that there's only so much a person can be as opposed to one minute you have a character who is uh, aggressive, standoffish, maybe uh, a little mean. But the next, maybe they're actually really, really um, vulnerable and they just really need to uh, hug it out or cry or something. You know what I mean? Like, I think that if we kind of start eradicating these notions um, of how a person is supposed to be um, based on what kind of media we're putting out there, I think we're going to invite a whole lot more in terms of what kind of society we're building based off of empathy and understanding. And... I think that's kind of the majesty, the majesty of writing, the majesty of creating, the majesty of putting stuff out there is you get to dictate the world you want to see. And that's where that power comes from. 
Speaking of power, because essentially when you write, you have your beautiful God complex in place. Dear little world. <laughs> and that's the final thought. Yeah, because I think, uh, <laughs> I think uh, actually it was Dawn when she was interviewing with the Myth Master. She would actually use that as her technique. She would kill characters off. Mm-hmm. Kill characters off in her story and say, Goodbye. <laughs> Uh, buddy, send us home. All right, guys. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed us prattling on. Uh, and I hope at the very least, maybe it, 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 if you're feeling, like I said, some writer's block or something, like maybe just these discussions kind of jolted something. I'm really Hopefully. Hope, I really hope that's where the real takeaway is because we kind of, we don't have all the, we, obviously we don't sit here and have all the facts over things. No. We, we more, uh, <laughs> I think we're more, uh, conversing and thinking up new ideas and i think that's where you should really put the focus at is you i don't feel that it should be so one-dimensional you know that based upon how they feel at the time could be where the direction of the story could take place yeah and 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 how it progresses and everything because guess what as people in life live and learn characters live and learn Mm -hmm. all right send us home all right you can find us at theworldsofmyth.com. Also on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine. And on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. Until next time. Thank you for listening. The world of myth bits.